0: Welcome to Ag Future, presented by Alltech. Join us as we explore the challenges and opportunities facing the global food supply chain and speak with experts working to support a planet of plenty. Currently, family-owned businesses make up 80% of all U.S. and Canadian companies. Family-owned businesses make up an even higher percentage of all companies across agriculture and across all companies globally. So, that means most companies face this one problem. How do you successfully transition your business from one generation to the next? Today we have an exciting episode of the Ag Future Podcast. I'm Brian Lawless, North American Brand Manager at Alltech, and I'm joined by David and Tyler Coburn of Coburn Farms. Coburn Farms from New Brunswick, Canada, has successfully been in operation as a family farm for over six generations in two hundred years. But now they're in the middle of a transition from the sixth to the seventh generation. So the question is, will Coburn Farms? Successfully make it through the seventh generation? What succession plans do Coburn Farms have in place? And what secrets to successful generational business transitions can we learn from Coburn Farms? David and Tyler, welcome to the Ag Future Podcast.
1: Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you.
0: Now, before we dive into the challenges and lessons of generational businesses, which we will get to, you've built a really impressive business. So I believe it's important that we as listeners understand exactly what's at stake here. Now, David, You've managed Coburn Farms during its sixth generation of business, and within the last couple of years, you've been transitioning the business to its seventh generation, to your sons, Tyler and Glenn. We have Tyler with us today. David, can you tell us a bit of the history of Coburn Farms and what the operation looks like today?
1: So Coburn Farms was established in 1806. Uh, I currently live in the original household, uh, the house that was built back in 1806. It was your typical mixed commodity farm. Uh, we'll have a little bit of everything. Uh, we started to specialize back in, in the 1860s. Uh, my great-grandfather uh, uh, specialized into potatoes, and at one point in time he uh, he was growing 30 acres of potatoes, and which is not very much by today's scale, but if you think about it, and he plowed with one furrow plow, uh, he would have walked 300 miles. He planted our first apple orchard in 1875. Uh, we still have one of the original trees still producing here on the farm. And on his deathbed, he told my father, "You look after the orchard, and it'll look after you." And that was very true here in uh, in uh, eastern uh, Canada um, in the early 1900s. The apple farmers were some of the more successful farmers out there. That brought us up into the uh, 1950s. My father uh, had a small dairy herd as well as the orchard, and he started to uh, move into chickens and originally they were dual purpose meat and eggs and then he went into commercial egg production back 53 years ago in 1967 with another barn following in 1970. I come back to the farm uh, almost 40 years ago uh, in 1981 and in 86 we we built a new lay barn bringing both flocks into into one barn and we managed 25,000 birds for for the next 30 years we uh, uh, moved into uh, composting i'll talk a bit more about that a little later Uh, composting our farm waste we uh, have uh, downsized our apple orchard we went from 100 acres down to 10 and we run a a processing orchard without turning the apples into apple cider and apple syrups and uh, so then as i mentioned we went into composting the compost is used on the farm uh, primarily in the orchard or sold off the farm. And uh, in 1995, we built our own feed mill, started manufacturing our feed, and just continued to to specialize that way. So it's been an exciting, uh, exciting ride.
0: Oh, it absolutely sounds like it. From uh, apples to a feed mill, doing uh, stuff in the, the layer industry, a lot of exciting things. Uh, Tyler, from, from your perspective, when you look at what your dad's built, how has Coburn Farms continued to look to the future? Uh, in order to make the changes necessary to be successful
2: well you've always had to be on the leading edge and in 2018 well i should say in 2017 we started plans of constructing our new layer burn and i had to do a career placement through dalhousie faculty of agriculture in nova scotia and i did it with a, a breeding broiler breeder company atlantic poultry and so they, they had a lot of free run housing on their broiler breeders. And I get to look at pretty well every aspect of, of the free run birds. And I knew at that point I did not want to go that route. So I looked at alternatives and we, we went with enriched housing in our new layer burn. So we started construction in May of 2018. Uh, we put in tunnel ventilation. It, uh, alongside with, our sidewall ventilation that we use as our minimum but the tunnel it uh, our days are getting hotter here in the Brunswick in the summers and it'll keep the keep the birds about two degrees cooler inside than outside airspeed 365 feet per minute with these enrichment housing units uh, they have uh, scratch pads nest boxes nail files four inch four inches of feed space per bird uh, we did go within system lighting, so there's equal light on each tier, and they are dimmed to red. So layers actually see their spectrum of light is in the red, and so it actually keeps the birds quite calmer. 90% of uh, the birds actually lay in the nest boxes, and our grouping size in, in each unit are uh, about 36 birds.
0: And so I guess I've read specifically that you guys have this concept called uh, chicken condos. Uh, Now, I'm from uh, Lexington, Kentucky, where the University of Kentucky is. Uh, We have built upgraded student housing. Uh, It's kind of called, uh, you know, student condos, apartment style living. Uh, Is this the kind of concept that you guys are bringing to to chickens? Maybe explain that because maybe I think you were just touching on it. Uh, Tell me about chicken condos. What are they?
2: So it's, it's just a concept to have bigger groups of birds together. Uh, There has been research done in anywhere between roughly the the 20 20 birds together up to about 75 is is what you typically see in these units. And they have all the amenities for them to to display their natural attributes to the birds. And uh, the key is having happy, healthy birds to produce high quality grade A Canadian eggs.
0: That makes sense. So, Uh, I want to ask both David and Tyler this question. So your family's been in business for six, uh, going on seven generations. Uh, If you had to sum it up, what's kind of the secret sauce of Coburn Farms? What is kind of maybe the strategic advantage or part of the culture uh, that's been keeping it successful for so long?
1: I guess we've been always willing to look and try new things. Uh, You know, uh, I have a, a farm museum here on the farm that uh, we put together on our bicentennial uh, number of years ago. And, uh, you know, I mentioned the potatoes, I, uh, the, the beginning of the apples. Uh, that brought my uh, my uh, grandfather, when he was young, he brought in bees on the farm. Uh, in the early 1920s, we get into fox farming. And he did that for a number of years while it was viable until, until uh, the Depression hit. You know, we, we tried different things. Uh, my father uh, was growing strawberries in the 1960s. Uh, we built a farm market, and we ran that for, for 20 years and was a was very successful addition to our farm. For me, with uh, I when I was 14 years old, I ended up uh, spreading manure, and a uh, manure spreader broke, and I had to shovel semi-liquid manure out of a whole manure spreader one afternoon. And I said to myself, uh, then I, there's got to be a better way of doing this. In 1990, uh, 30 years ago, I was introduced to all Alltech's Deodorate's product, and we uh, in, put that into our feed. I'm proud to say it's been there ever since. But it dried the manure out to the point where I was going to have to buy a new manure spreader uh, to uh, to spread it. And I said, there's got to, you know, this is worth composting. That's what led us into building the, the first in-vessel composting. Uh, facility in Atlantic Canada. And so it's, we'd be willing to step out and try things. And, and you know, I, I researched that one for two years and it got to the point, you know, you either got to build it or stop talking about it. And uh, we did that with our apple cider here a few years ago. Uh, we introduced uh, apple syrups and we now have three different kinds of apple syrups and we're starting to build that market up. So like I say, you got to be willing to try new things and uh, give them up if they don't work. And, uh, and try and make them grow and, and live, their, live their time. Um, some things, you know, uh, 20 years is, is, is uh, uh, time on some of these niche markets, so have to be aware of that.
0: Tyler, anything to add to that? The, the list I had running was uh, a museum, bees, potatoes, fox farming, strawberries, uh, a farmer's market, manure, then using as an all-tech product, composting, and apple syrup. So yeah, the spirit of trying new things uh, certainly seem, seems alive at Coburn Farms. Anything that you would uh, add to what your dad just said?
2: Uh, my brother's actually uh, he's got five acres of pumpkins and squash, and uh, which we're very fortunate this year. The two farms around us that actually grow pumpkins, they didn't have a crop. So in hindsight, we should have planted more than five acres because we could have sold it all. But uh, the other thing is, uh, we have a small beef herd here as well, and we have just land that's not being utilized. We we live on a ridge, we live on a side hill, and if you got the land, you might as well do it. And the other thing I'd like to add, we don't have land masses like we do out in Western Canada or the Northwest United States, so that's one of the reasons we had to diversify. We couldn't keep our our eggs all in one basket we had to keep trying new things because one year one thing could pay for the other and other years not right so that's that's sustainability is key
0: exactly sustainability is key so i i'd like to maybe pivot the conversation then and really just talk more in on just how to successfully transition a business uh between generations so i guess uh, i want to start with you tyler tyler if i understand correct um you have a brother and sister uh, and some people grow up and they know right from the time they're born what they want to do with their lives. Uh, but for you, did you always want to take over uh, the business? Were there any points that you thought uh, about pursuing something else? Uh, and maybe what about your siblings?
2: Uh, at four years old, I knew I actually wanted to farm. Uh, I'd start my day off just like any kid eating breakfast. And then I'd go to the office here on the farm and find out where where my father was or the the hired help were working uh, and then i'd either go follow them around and i think i was helping at the time but you're, you're just a kid so it's hard to say if you're more in the way probably but i knew from a very young age age that i uh, wanted to go to agricultural college and follow my follow in my father's footsteps and no there wasn't really ever a point that i to myself that I didn't want the firm. I always knew I wanted to. Uh, I do have a brother and sister, like you just touched on. My sister always knew she wanted to be a nurse. I'm not sure whether she just liked helping people, but my grandmother, or my—I should say, yeah, my grandmother, my father's mother—always she was a nurse back in uh, the late '40s, early '50s. So I, I think she takes pride and joy in following in her grandmother's footsteps, and I. You're right, I am lucky enough to farm with my brother Glenn and uh, we all have our strengths and our weaknesses and luckily ours actually work together quite well. Uh, he's more hands-on and I I prefer a lot of the business aspects of running the farm. So it, it just goes hand in hand and we are lucky enough that we have a father who's willing to uh, transition and make it work and not necessarily make us fly the farm out from underneath them because then then you'd be spending the rest of your life trying to pay that debt off and not trying to prosper and grow the
0: operation. Absolutely. David, I'd like to go right into that then. Um, How did you go about preparing Tyler uh, and Glenn to take on the business? Uh, And for all of our listeners, what are some of the lessons you'd want to pass on to any farmer who's preparing to pass on their operation?
1: So the best I could do was, is follow the examples that my father uh, uh, did, uh, did for, uh, for me. Um, he actually incorporated our farm back in 1974 uh, with the sole purpose of, of transitioning that to the next generation. And uh, he gave out shares to, uh, to my two brothers and myself at the time. And to introduce us to the farm, and then uh, and then we eventually bought him out uh, a few years later. Glenn and Tyler, when they graduated from Agricultural College, I gave them each twenty percent of the ownership of the farm. And uh, you've got to be an owner in order to be part of it. So we we've done that, and now we're starting discussions on what we're going to do with the, with the other sixty percent over the next few years. And uh, but they're working for themselves. And I, as I said, I uh, farmed with my two brothers. Circumstances happened over the years. I ended up buying both of them out. And uh, and with the goal that I wanted brothers to talk to, and and we've been successful for that. Uh, I've actually had one of them. He's come back and he works for us part-time. That's the definition of a family farm. And, uh, you know, I've watched some farms here in my community where the grandfather was almost a dictator and he held tight to the ownership of the purse strings and uh, and never let go. and his his children and grandchildren were prepared to run the farm, and those farms had disappeared. The other big thing that's that's helped us um, for the last four generations, we go to uh, to a farmer's market. And my father started taking me when I was nine. And so that's what I did with with our kids, with the three kids when they turned nine years old. I introduced them to the market. A Couple of rules: number one, there was no calculators, so you had to learn math and people skills. And that makes people, you know, you got to walk up to a, to a, a customer, you've got to entice them into to uh, buying, and uh, and then make their, their correct change. And so that gives you a good young perspective, uh, whether you farm or not. Those those are lessons that are that are going to carry you well. So that that really helped in the development of,
0: of the kids. I think you touched on a lot of really good points there. And and in between that, it seems like you've really emphasized open communication with the whole concept uh, of having shares of the farm, discussing what percentages uh, people own. Uh, but it also seems like you've resisted the urge uh, within your family for uh, the older folks, maybe the grandfathers of the operation, to act uh, as a dictator. I'll, I'll circle back to that uh, in a minute, but I do think, uh, introducing the kids early to the farmers market uh, without calculators, and we'll say without cell phones in this moment, uh, where you had to do both math and people skills. Learn the sales side uh, is really intriguing, and I think is is really important to know. Um, to circle back to to the comment on uh, dictators, kind of this you know just transition from generation uh, to generation. How do you think you you've done maybe personally, David, uh, of now where at one point you were. Uh, maybe the head person in charge, and now you've transitioned uh, to more of a, a guidance role, or, or in the process of this transition.
1: It's not always easy. Um, sometimes you you just got to walk away, and uh, we're all human. We all make mistakes, and the best lessons I've learned in life have been by the mistakes I've made. And so, so you you've got to give uh, give them the rope to uh, to make their own decisions. Hard. There is one thing, and I make this very clear to the boys, and I inherited this from my father because he had it, and he called it the veto power. And uh, sometimes he did have the final say. The boys know that and uh, don't exercise it very often, uh, but they listen when it happens. So that's that's how we kind of do about it. And We tease each other about the veto power, but they're going to get to inherit that at some point in time, right? We've actually got the eighth generation uh, around here now. Uh, uh, I've got a grandson that's two and a half, and, of course, he wants to know what's going on around here, even at that young age. So that's kind of how we treat it. No two farms are the same, and every farm family has to figure out what's going to work for them, and it's not easy. And you're right, communication, passion, uh, those are all key parts of it.
0: So you touched on this of kind of it not being easy. Um, And I think a really tough moment has to be uh, when you let your sons, uh, Tyler and Glenn, make their first uh, mistake. So, David, when will you let Tyler and Glenn make their first mistake? Uh, Or if you have already, uh, how'd it go?
1: Oh, we're we're actually dealing with one now. We we had some feed uh, that got made in the feed mill uh, without the micro ingredients in there. And that affected a couple rows of production. So we're we're living through that. And uh, like I say, we've uh, I've been there a couple times over my career uh, with decision made and uh, and you have to allow it. And it's no one's fault. Mistakes happen. And it's how do you handle the mistake? How do you learn from it? I've uh, had a few instances over my career where it really changed fundamentally how we did things by making that mistake. So. Yeah, uh, that's that's part of it. Not easy to take, is it,
2: Tyler? Ah, uh, no, it's not. <laughs> I'll go.
0: Well, I, I was just going to say, yeah, that transition from generation to generation isn't easy. Um, so maybe the question I have for you, Tyler, and I'll provide a little more context to it, is how are you different than your dad? Uh, because you know, at Alltech, we've undergone uh, a similar transition. So I had the pleasure to know uh, the late Dr. Pierce Lines, uh, the founder of Alltech, and the current president and CEO of Alltech, Dr. Mark Lines. And Dr. Pierce, Pierce Lines was this driving, visionary entrepreneur, and currently Mark Lyons is also very entrepreneurial, but really gifted at collaboration, at partnership. He, he can bring people together unlike anyone I've seen. Um, so, you know, what's been smart is Dr. Lyons hasn't tried to just be like his dad. Uh, he's utilized his unique strengths, and the company's really benefited from that. So I guess my question to you is, how, how are you different than your dad?
2: Well, that, that's actually a pretty tough question to answer. Uh, I've got people who tell me I'm quite a lot like my father. I always have the push to, to grow grow the operation, and uh, one of the arguments we had, and when you build a barn, what number of birds do you build for? When Dad built his barn in 86, he built it for 25400 And And uh, at the time, he didn't realize this, but they didn't get a quota increase or a bird increase up until the early 2000s when the barn was almost past its life. But on the other hand, I, I fought for to have extra room in the barn we built back in 2018. And here we are, we're full and no room to, to do any bigger unless we built another barn. So I, I don't know, I'd like to think I'm more aggressive when it comes to wanting to grow the operation.
1: Just to clarify that, here in Canada, we have supply management, so we're only allowed a certain number of birds, and uh, so it's a quota system. And then the quota you can buy or sell as needed. But if the market grows, uh, then the uh, our provincial and national boards will increase the quota, and that's that's how you grow your quota. Okay, that's a whole other conversation.
0: Well, that that makes uh, complete sense and I think gives some perspective for our international audience. And, and to your point, Tyler, it really seems like you've continued the the kind of legacy of Coburn Farms of making decisions that fit the business. Um, and, and that may be a consistency, which is very good uh, throughout generations, but it seems like you've been willing to continue to take those risks uh, that fit the needs of the business. So one really final question for for you, Tyler, and for for this conversation is what advice would you give to someone who's stepping up or continuing a family legacy?
2: Just to, you got to initiate the conversation and show that you're interested. But keep in mind that if you are working on your family operation, and even if you're a farmhand on someone else's operation that have no people to take it over, you have to make people aware of sweat equity. So yes, you're working on it. And that's, like my father said earlier, he gave us 20% when we graduated from college, so we'd have some skin in the game. So then it's not just his head on the table, it's all of ours. So it's, uh, initiating the conversation, having the tough discussions, which most of us don't want to
0: have those, but it's to keep, keep the ball rolling and you're going to have a plan for the future. That is fantastic. I think that is really that last point of uh, having the courage to have tough conversations, uh, particularly within family, uh, is never easy. It's never comfortable. Uh, That's something both uh, David and Tyler, you've touched on, of this open line of communication, uh, this transition from being uh, the owner to uh, someone who's being more of a guiding figure, not a dictator. Uh, You know, there's just so many lessons. Uh, A couple others that stuck out is just taking this early initiative uh, but understanding it's it's not going to be easy, uh, and no two farms are the same. So I think this has been a really encouraging conversation, uh, something that will give uh, our listeners advice on how to successfully transition uh, a business between generations. So David and Tyler, thank you very much for being on the Ag Future podcast. Thank you. This has been Ag Future presented by Alltech. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to Ag Future wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a review if you enjoyed this episode.